The word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out I'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had a doubt I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do About you now, about you now, about you now Hello everyone and welcome to another round of the podcast version of the Dirty 35 Prospect Countdown My name is Kyle Reese, I'm your host, you can find me on Twitter at K-Y-L-E-R 416, and I do this for Birds on the Black, and that's probably where you're listening to this through. Uh, as most of you know, and some of you might not know, uh, we've been breaking the Dirty 35 countdown of top 35 prospects in the Cardinals organization down into podcast uh, sets of five. So we've already done prospects 35 through 31, 30 through 26, 25 through 21, and here we are doing prospects 20 through 16. Now, I'd encourage everyone to go and listen to all of those if you haven't. Uh, They're kind of a a disaster, as you might expect, as this one will be. Uh, But also, I would encourage everyone to go to the articles and click on them. Look at the GIFs. Look at the media. Really sink it in. Ignore the words I write because I'm a jackass uh, and I'm a terrible writer. Uh, But I look at the GIFs and then, you know what? Reach out to me and tell me where I'm wrong. Uh, Make your own observations about the players. Do a little bit of self-evaluating, a little bit of your own evaluating of those players. Look at those GIFs and, and then tell me what you think. Uh, have your own opinions about it. Have some fun with it. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm right. Uh, but but really embrace it. Look at the media and make up your own minds about the players. Uh, you know, even though I'm writing and even though you trust my opinion or you don't trust my opinion and you're just trying to get a, like a counter opinion to your own, uh, enjoy this stuff. Uh, as I say in the little introduction before every article, ranking prospects is a joke. Uh, you know, it's it's so hard to evaluate players. Uh, and there's no telling what kind of adjustments they're making without getting to talk to them every day. So anyways, have some fun with the list. Have some fun with me. Uh, have some fun with yourselves in both the intimate and extroverted ways. Uh, so let's just get right to it. I'd like to do the little recap of where we're at before we get started. So prospect number 31 was first baseman Ron Hill-Rovelo. Prospect number 34 was right-handed pitcher Jake Walsh. 33 is outfielder Justin Williams. 32, shortstop Delvin Perez. 31, outfielder Chase Pinder. 30, right-handed pitcher Connor Jones. 30, or uh, 30, Jesus. Uh, 29, right-handed relief pitcher Seth Elich. 28, right-handed pitcher Angel Rondon. 27, Max Schrock, who's a second baseman. Uh, 26, sorry, I get distracted. Catcher Dennis Ortega. 25, Scott Hurst, an outfielder. 24 is Casey Meisner, a right-handed relief pitcher, or a right-handed pitcher. Uh, 20, (laughs) Jesus, I'm so stupid. Uh, 23 is Ivan Herrera. He's a catcher, 18 years old. 22 is Leandro Cedeno, a first baseman. And 21 is the lovely and talented relief pitcher, Johan Oviedo. So we're going to get right into prospect number 20, who is a right-handed pitcher. I don't know why I keep wanting to say relief, because I imagine a lot of these guys will end up in a relief role in the long haul. Is right-handed starter... 22-year-old Jake Woodford. You'll remember Jake Woodford as a first-round pick. Uh, I believe it was a competitive balance pick in 2015. Uh, the, if you remember correctly, Jake Woodford came from a Florida high school uh, with a stacked Florida high school draft-eligible class that included Brady Singer and Tristan McKenzie. And there were a lot of people who viewed Drake Woodford, Jake Woodford as the best pitcher in that group. Cardinals jumped on him early in the draft. Again, the, the count balance round. And he got off to a great start in the minors. Uh, a, a, a reasonable strikeout rate, a, an acceptable walk rate. And then the Cardinals got really aggressive with him. 
Uh, you know, kind of like they did with Dylan Carlson these last couple of years, who is an outfielder who we'll get to here in about 10 days or so. Uh, but it, it's been hard for Woodford as the Cardinals have been aggressive with him, as he was a 21-year-old pitching in AA last year, a 20-year-old pitching at Palm Beach the year before. He's been ahead of where he should be. Like, his development was not necessarily ready for those levels. So when you look at his stats, and he had a 3.10 ERA, ERA in 2017 at Palm Beach, and you think that's good, but when you look at all the other stats, you're like, wow, this, I'm worried about this player, uh, this pitcher. And then in 2018, he goes to Springfield, and he gets beat around a little bit, and then gets promoted to Memphis and gets beat around even more. And, and you think to yourself, man, this first-round pick is kind of a bomb. Like, it's just not working out right. Uh, but then what you need to keep in perspective, and what I ask myself to keep in perspective, is that last year, as a 21-year-old, he made it to AAA. And he made it to AA. And he never really got bombed. He threw plenty of strikes, but it just he just wasn't ready. He just wasn't ready. And the exciting thing to me is he'll enter 2019 pitching in AAA, which he's still a little young for, uh, but his talent will finally get a chance to play at a, like a league it's ready for. So we'll get a better idea of exactly what Jake Woodford is. Uh, again, the, the issue with Jake Woodford is contact. Uh, he or Contact and base runners. He lets up a ton of base runners. He puts a lot of guys on base. I, I want to say per nine innings, he puts almost 14 guys on base. Uh, it's it's very, very, very worrisome. You know, the other thing is his K rate. Last year, uh, his K rate was right about 16%, which isn't anywhere near enough. And then his, his ground ball rate dropped to about 37%. And if you have a pitcher who's not going to throw a lot of, who's not going to strike out a lot of guys, you want him to put the ball on the ground as often as possible. Uh, those are concerning trends. But again, we keep that in mind that he was just maybe pushed a little too fast. Uh, just keep that in mind as we go through all this. It's just an important thing uh, to remember as we give context. What is really encouraging about Jake Woodford is how he ended the, the season. He gets brought up to AAA. He kind of struggles. Uh, then the playoffs come. And he started throwing a ton of strikes. Uh, he pitched 7.1 innings in the PCL championship. He only allowed three hits, walked one, struck out six. Uh, it, it gave him his highest game score of the year at 82. So it's really exciting to see Jake Woodford like reach the next level of his development. Like That's his ultimate ceiling. That's what he's capable of doing uh, once it all clicks. To have him do it in a PCL championship game, I thought was uh, amazing. Uh, just It's such a positive. Now, from an evaluation standpoint, you know he's got a body for pitching. Uh, his repertoire is interesting to me. Man, you know, I've watched his games, you know, scattered since 2015. And I feel like this guy has thrown, I've seen him throw a changeup. I've seen him throw a four-seamer. I've seen him throw a sinker. Man, at one point I could have swore he tried to throw a split finger. I've seen him throw a changeup. You know, rumor was that he was experimenting with a bunch of different changeups. Uh, you know, it's just... He has always a cutter, a slider. He's always struggled to find what pitches work best for him. Now, we say that, uh, but we're at the point now where we have seen Jake Woodford pitch in spring training games. And in his last start, uh, which was two innings long, 
He was in the mid-90s, which is a velocity sustainability thing that he's never had. Uh, in his first, before we get to his second start, in his first start in spring training, he threw mid-90s. In the first inning, everything was sharp, everything looked good. And in the second inning, he was back down to the low 90s, uh, and everything was hanging. And that's the issue with Woodford. Because he doesn't command his stuff, because he's always tinkering with it and toying with it and not settling on pitches, he has a tendency to hang his breaking pitches. It uh, gets him into a lot of trouble. In his second appearance during spring training so far, in both innings that he pitched, he was in the mid-90s. And he wasn't hanging anything. He looked really good. And it also looked to me like he threw a changeup, a four-seamer, his curveball, which looked sharper than I've, I've seen it other than at the end of the season last year, uh, and a sinker. So rumor was he threw a cutter and a slider. I have yet to feel like I've seen one, but sometimes his slider and his curveball look a little bit alike, so it's hard to really tell. Um, anyways, he's gotten off to a great spring. It looks like he might have a chance to excel at a level that he's ready for. And uh, keep an eye on Jake Woodford. As some of these guys start falling off the list because of graduation, graduating off the list, I can see Jake Woodford making his way up the list pretty quickly. Uh, just a matter of getting, you know, putting as few base runners on as possible and not hanging those off-speed pitches. When he's living down in the zone, everyone's happy. Uh, that moves us, as I spent a lot of time there on uh, Jake Woodford, that moves us to prospect number 19. That's Ramon Urias. Uh, now, Urias was an international signing at the beginning of, I rather at the end of spring training last year. It happened in the middle part of March, like March 16th or March 18th or something like that. He's 24 years old. Uh, the background on Ramon Urias is that he was a, like a Mexican League star. Uh, really impressive shortstop, although he was just an average shortstop in the Mexican League. And then he started producing power. So the Cardinals signed him and brought him in. He was supposed to start the year last year at double A. Because of injuries and then Yairo Munoz uh, uh, making it to the majors, he started at AAA, and he just wasn't ready for it. He didn't have anything in the way of a spring training. Came in late. He got dominated. Uh, when he got sent back down to Springfield, he dominated Springfield uh, throughout the year at AA. And he had 40, he played 44 games at AA, 46 at AAA. Uh, his AA WRC Plus was 170, so 70% better than the league average. And his AAA WRC Plus was 84, which is 16% low the, the league average. The encouraging thing with Urias is that each step along the way, because he was he was demoted and promoted to AAA, I think, or demoted to AA from AAA three times, which meant he had three different stints. What I'm trying to say, because I'm an idiot and I can't get it out, is he had three different stints at AAA throughout the season. Uh, each one a little bit better than the other as he, he adjusted to the, the American game and how he was getting pitched. I really like that. Uh, there are a couple things worth talking about with Urias. One, we mentioned it very, very briefly. He's not much in the way of a shortstop. Uh, he can play short. He can play third. You wouldn't want him as your everyday shortstop or your everyday third baseman. Uh, you'd want him fit, like filling in there on a pinch. He's athletic enough to play the positions. It's just that he's really clunky, really clunky. But he is a very, very good defensive second baseman. And if you can have him at second, then you might be able to get away with some stuff. Uh, not get away, but you might even have a positive plus tool. <gasps> The other thing about Urias, why I worry about his ability to get on base, the one thing that he possesses is like true home run power. He generates great lower half leverage, mostly from his hips, and he has a quick bat uh, with a short load, and he can put the ball over the right center field fence. He can pull the ball as a right-handed hitter down the left side. Uh, he... He has double power profile. It's just a matter of how often he's going to get on base. Uh, you know... 
I tend to think, and I know that he's had a great spring. He's diving around at second. Uh, uh, he hit a big three-run home run. I tend to think that his his value to the major league team is a little bit more limited than some others do because of his inability to really utilize the utility role, if that makes sense. Uh, but I do love his power. I do love that he he's a doubles hitter and he's quick. He's really fast. Uh, the one thing that I really do love about Urias, and I say it in the article, is I, I just really love the way he swings the bat. I, I'm super impressed with it. I, I love his swing. I don't think there's any wasted movements. He keeps his head down on the ball really, really well. I love his follow-through on the swing. He transfers weight really well. You know, I just... It, it, nothing but positives in that in that respect. I love that he's having a good spring. Uh, and it's just something we're going to have to keep an eye on. Other than that, you know, I don't really have much to say about Ramon Urias. Uh, we want to take away that each trip to AAA got a little bit better throughout the year. Uh, we need to take into account that... It probably wouldn't kill him to work on his approach. Uh, he had a 19% strikeout rate at AAA last year. That's doable. But he's going to need to get that walk rate up from, from 4%. Uh, and again, that's only in 149 plate appearances, five home runs. Uh, but we, we really love his double home run capability. And if he can he can be like marooned on second base for a prolonged period of time, like you feel comfortable with that. Uh, you know, in my mind, he's kind of a, uh, again, Yairo Munoz, Ask Gyro Munoz, ask uh, Gyro, Gyro's ignorant of me. Uh, Gyro Munoz, ask uh, Fielder at, at shortstop. And I, I do have higher hopes for Urias at third. And then I, or uh, for Munoz at third, than I do Urias. But Urias is a great utility player, utility option. Remember, he's 24, he's a Mexican League star. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does at AAA this year. And as a member of the 40 man, if and when the Cardinals call upon him. Uh, prospect number 18 on our list is Jaggery. Uh, Jose Adolis Garcia, who is going by Adolis Garcia, who we will always and forever, near and far, ocean forever, everywhere, who we will forever call Jag. Uh, so, you know, here's the deal with Jags. First off, we all know how sexy Jag is. Like, that dude's chiseled out of marble. He's got a 16-pack a ab. He's ripped. He's cut. He He's a monster. Uh... We also know that Jag didn't necessarily look good when he was called upon by the Major League Club last year. Don't invest too much out of that. Small sample size. You know, you just can't, you can't think too much about it. As I get a swig of my left hand raspberry milk stout. Not sponsored, by the way, but sponsor me. Uh, so, when we look back at Jag's 2018 season, we see two different players. We see a player that played from June 16th to August 5th that hit 344 with an on-base uh, plus slugging and OPS of 1.078. That was in 158 plate appearances. And he had a bunch of extra base hits, 27 extra base hits. He was a monster during that middle part of the year from June 16th to May or to August 5th, rather. But everything that led up to June 16th and everything that came after August 5th was a disaster. And part of the reason, and you'll see it in the gifts, uh, he had no feel for breaking pitches. He couldn't hit a breaking pitch to save his life. It was miserable. His strikeout rate was up to about 24% before he got it. He went on the tear on June 16th. Uh, he swings wild. It, one thing that I like about Randy Rosarena, and we'll get to that when we get to Randy on the countdown, is that when Randy isn't cheated out of a swing, he's still in control. When Jag is is like is going full bore, he's out of control. So we went over the you know forty what is it forty one games between June sixteenth and August fifth, I believe, and the other seventy six games that he played in the minor leagues, which was you know 
254 at-bats. His strikeout rate was 25%, and he hit 205 with a 234 on on-base percentage and a 370 slug. This is a kid, right-handed, left-handed, he just doesn't get on base a lot because he's a free swinger. Uh, it's a concern. What we do know about Jag is that he's super athletic. Uh, we know that he's quick, he's fast, he's a good base runner, he's a great outfielder. He has the best outfield arm in the organization, and there isn't a debate about it. There isn't a second. It's Jag's first, Jag's second, he's probably third, how good that arm is. Uh, so, I guess what we're saying is, as we enter 2019, what we need to see is consistency out of Jag. He cannot have that that ebb and flow, or he cannot have that streak. And, you know, another thing that I find funny is there are some people online, uh, multiple people, who are, are banking on Jag and saying that he might be a breakout candidate. And a lot of those people are the same people that bash on Matt Carpenter. And it's funny to me because... Matt Carpenter was never as bad as Jag was, and he was better for longer and at a higher level. Uh, you know, so if you're one of those people out there who like bag on Matt Carpenter and are rooting and think Jag can like suffice, then just remember like that's not necessarily how it works. And that's just my own little personal opinion. It was something I noticed earlier in the week that I wanted to throw out there. But uh, you know, getting back to Jag, if he can just keep himself in control and keep himself calm at the plate, he's gonna be fine. Early in the year, he had a big wide open stance, and I think that that really hurt him. He closed it, you know, come June, and he had his timing down, and he was a little quieter. He was able to get to some stuff. Really adjusted his approach. You could tell he wasn't swinging at breaking pitches when he first started hitting really well. Was looking for fastballs and only fastballs. That really seemed to help. That's the kind of stuff you can get away with in in, uh, minor league baseball that you can't get away with in major league baseball. The other thing about Jag is you can tell that Jag is a big fan of the game. He loves playing it. He's a big kid. Uh, He's really excited. I I made a special note, and I was so glad that this wasn't one of the GIFs that ended up, uh, you know, burning up or whatever happened with my GIF archive. But there was a game on July 27th that GIF hit like a second inning home run. The game was 0-0. It was on an 0-1 pitch. And he hits the ball down the line, hammers it, almost puts it out of the stadium. And he's immediately celebrating. Hands up in the air. He's excited. He's happy. Like, uh, people might get upset about a second-ending home run where a guy throws his hands up in the air. I love it. I couldn't be any happier uh, about it. I I think it's great. Uh, That's the kind of excitement I love. One thing about Jag that is really exciting and makes me think that it will play at the next level is how well he does against left-handed pitchers, rather. Uh, In 91 plate appearances... He hit 310 with a 333 on base percentage and a 524 slug. He had five home runs, three doubles. He only struck out 17.5% of the time. Uh, the positive here is if the Cardinals are in a position where they need a right-handed platoon option, which they currently aren't, they aren't even close to needing that. But if the Cardinals are in a position where they need a right-handed platoon option against left-handed pitchers, Jag's the guy you go to. Uh, he's He can be a bear to left-handed pitchers. Uh, but other than that, look, you guys know Jack. He's 28. He's older for a prospect. Uh, it really skews because of his time in, in the Cuban National League and uh, Series Nacional. Uh, it really skews exactly like how talented he is. and he's He's been good. He can be really great. He just needs to refine and not swing nuts all the time. Uh, maybe work a count. And he'll be fine. You know, I went back and forth with Jag. I couldn't decide exactly what to do with him. I couldn't decide if I wanted him to be a top 25 prospect. I dropped him past 25. I dropped him past 30. At one point, I thought, man, maybe because of that stretch in June through August, maybe he is a top 15 prospect. Maybe he is a top 20 or top 10 prospect. But this is where I settled because the concerns there about strikeouts and walks are heavy and strong and it's worrisome. But remember, we all love Jag. Uh, he's built like a man. And Jesus, I can only imagine how much work that takes. 
I'm going to go get some ice cream once I'm done with this and continue to drink these beers. Uh, prospect. Number 17 on our countdown is Utility Infielder. And the other fun thing about this is all three of the Utility Infielders are kind of jumbled together here with Ed, with uh, uh, Urias, Sosa, and Edmund. We are talking about Prospect number 17, Utility Player, Edmundo Sosa. Uh, trying not to bore you with his past. Remember, a couple years back, he was in Johnson City as a 19-year-old, and he, he lit the league on fire. He had a great turn. He was playing a great shortstop. And then... You know, since then, since his time in Johnson City, which would have been 2017, uh, or uh, sorry, which would have been 2016, rather, uh, 2017 was brutal to him, and 2016 wasn't exactly great either. Uh, so 20, 2015, let me start over with Edmundo, and I'm sorry about this. This is what happens when I do this like ad lib, don't have anything in front of me. In 2015, Edmundo Sosa was at Johnson City, lit the world on fire. Then he had a down 26 and a miserable uh, 2016, and then a, down, a miserable 2017. At the end of the 2017, he started changing his swing with the idea of you know hitting for a little bit more pop, a little bit more power. Uh, and it took him the end of 2017, the Arizona Fall League in 2017, and the beginning of 2018 for him to really apply it. But when he did, you saw a player that could hit for some real, real pop. Uh, I went with Sosa ahead of Urias here because I believe in the sustainability uh, of Mr. Uh, Sosa's uh, power. Now, it's again, it's not going to be like huge power. In 400 and whatever at-bats, he had 12 home runs and, you know, 30. You know, the one thing that I really like are the doubles. He had 30 doubles. I love that. Uh, that's what I like most about it. And the reason he had 30 doubles, and again... Going back to his time at Johnson City when he was really, really performing, he was good defensively, good offensively, had some pop, was hitting the ball with authority into the gaps, uh, and then he struggled, and now he recovered that, and I love that about him. I think that that's a really awesome thing. Uh, the issue with Sosa is that he he really does take an awful at bat. I hate his approach. I don't know what his approach is. I just know that it's infuriating. Uh, he gets away with a lot of stuff because of how quick his bat is and how how fast his hands are. Uh, he he can drop the barrel really quick. Uh, his power zone is low, and that's that seems really really rare to me. Uh, he gets the ball into the gap that way, but his, his hands are so fast that a lot of times he's fooled, and it allows him to poke a ball down the line, uh, usually the opposite field line, right you know down the right field line, the first base line, uh, as a right-handed hitter. The other positive about um, Edmundo Sosa in uh, in twenty. 18 was that his defense took a step forward. Now, this is the first year that he was really a utility player. He played second, he played third. But the the prospect that we saw at Johnson City in 2015 as a shortstop came back in 2018. A good good first step, strong arm, strong enough arm for sure. Could go back on a on a fly ball, uh, could come in and make a charging play, bare hand. It was all there. And you know what? He became a pretty good second baseman and a pretty good third baseman. I feel comfortable with him playing third if he needs to play third. As a matter of fact, of all the options on the 40-man, and our number 16 guy on the list is not on the 40-man, uh, but Urias, uh, Drew Robinson, uh, you know, those guys. If Jairo Munoz, Jairo Munoz got hurt, he'd be the one that I would choose for that role on a short period of time. Now, ultimately, number 16 on our list would be the guy. Uh, but if you if they were only going to choose one of the guys in the 40-man, it'd be him. I'm really impressed with the steps that he made in 2018. I think there's plenty to build on. He's still young. He's only 23 years old. Or he'll be 23 at the start of the season. Uh, get excited about Edmundo Sosa. He's not going to be, as our good friend Ben Cerruti said, uh, he's not going to be the guy to 
Uh, he, well, Ben Ben asked rather, what's Edgar Renteria's ceiling? Like, is his ceiling potentially Edgar Renteria? And I don't know if his ceiling is that he might have like one year that's Edgar's career average or whatever. I don't know. He's not that that talented. He's not that dynamic. Uh, but he does have a potential if he's got if he receives three hundred major league at bats, they hit five or six home runs and fifteen doubles or something really really good like that and play a very very good utility role uh, as a right handed swinger. Uh, defensively, it's just that he's never going to get on base a lot. Like his, when he was really good last year, his on base percentage was like a sustainable three thirty. I can't imagine a situation in which he can produce a three thirty on base percentage at the major league level. I think I think it's more along the lines of in limited duty as a utility player, three hundred five, three ten, three fifteen. You know, at its highest, might be able to sneak a three twenty in there, depending on how many of his infield hits are sneaking through, or how many of the light contact hits sneak through depending on what his BABIP is. But uh, I like the fact that I can put Edmundo Sosa 17th on the list. It might not seem that high. It's pretty high to me. Uh, I'm really rooting for him, and I think he could be a valuable asset for the Cardinals moving forward. I don't know if, like, it's not an, uh, an MVP asset or the kind of guy that you would want starting, uh, not by a long shot, at least not right now. But I think he could be a very, very uh, interesting piece there. And other than that, uh, he's on the 40-man. You just never know if he's going to get the call. I think he's had a really good spring training. Uh, without getting into too much detail there. Uh, I feel like I've been rambling on, in particular, a little bit more lately. So let's get right to prospect number 16. That is utility infielder and switch hitter, Tommy Edmond. Uh, of the utility group, Tommy's easily the best. Uh, I don't think it's very close between Sosa and Edmond, even though they're 17 and 16 on our list. Sosa's a Stan- or Sosa. Edmond is a Stanford-educated man. He's smart. He has all the intangibles. He's the best base-stealing option in the organization. He's a great base runner. Uh, getting back to the base-stealing thing... He stole 30 of 35 bases last year. He is the kind of hitter that can go first to third on a ball hit to like the left field gap that uh, that a, an outfielder cuts off before it gets to the wall. He's got that kind of speed and those kind of instincts. Like instinctual would be the word that I would use for Tommy Edmond. Uh, you know, I guess what we're going to key in most on Edmond is he's good from both the left and the right side. Last year in 430 plate appearances again as a left-handed batter, he hit 291, 344, uh, 389 with five homers and 19 additional extra base hits. His walk rate was 7.7. His strikeout rate was 14%. All of that is good. All of that will play. And I do think it's sustainable. He hits the ball pretty damn hard. And he doesn't really get fooled by, by breaking pitches. I think that that sticks at the major league level. Now, when you turn Edmund around as a right-handed hitter... Uh, and this was in 144 plate appearances. He hit 331, 385, 438 with two home runs and eight doubles. Uh, 7% walk rate, 18.8% strikeout rate. He's he's polished from both sides. Again, you know, uh, there's a, thir- a through line throughout all these years with the Cardinals and their utility players. They've been looking for somebody to fill that Daniel Descalso role as a left-handed option off the bench. Uh, Edmund's a better fielder than those guys. He has a stronger arm than 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 Garcia and a stronger arm than Descalso. You know, in my mind, Tommy Edmund will come up and be the Daniel Descalso that we've seen over the last two years in other organizations, uh, not the Daniel Descalso who was a St. Louis Cardinal. I I think that's Tommy Edmund. Over the last couple of years, he's had like matching uh, 108 WRC pluses. Like he's. Eight points above league average. Like that's Daniel, or that's uh, Daniel Descalso, Jesus. That's Tommy Edmond. The other thing about Tommy Edmond is, you know, I have my worries about him playing third. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he has that like quick twitch instinct that you would want at third base. 
Uh, but he is a very, very good defensive shortstop. He's become a very, very good defensive second baseman. Uh, I love it. And, you know, I'd be willing to bet that if you put this kid in the outfield, he'd be able to handle his own. His arm's strong enough for a corner spot. It's not like lightning amazing uh, from a corner spot. Uh, I would recommend that you click on the article. You'll see him dive around deep into the hole at short, get up to his feet as quick as possible, and make a play at first. Uh, he is an, He's smart. He's athletic. He's instinctual. He just gets baseball. And he's, he's kind of a gym rat. Uh, I know everyone thought really highly of him in the Arizona Fall League. Uh, you know, the, the, I guess the major question with Tommy Edmond is, will he just be a utility player? Or will he be a productive major league starter? And, you know, if you're hedging because of how hard it is to be a successful major league starter, you would say that this is a guy who you would want to get 300, 350, 400, 450 at-bats. Uh, playing all over the diamond, uh, maybe not more than that because he might get overexposed. But he reminds me so much of a light hitting Stephen Piscotty, uh, power wise. They both went to Stanford. They both have the same kind of approach. You can see the similar swing. Uh, anyways, that's the major question with Tommy Edmond. I think if we all felt more comfortable about Tommy Edmond being an everyday player for a very long time, he'd probably be you know, and just looking at the list right now, he'd probably be. 13th on it, uh, but because more than likely he's just a really great utility option that can hit from both sides of the plate and play a really good defense uh, in the infield. And then again, I'd be willing to bet you see him in the outfield at some point uh, as like a league average player. Uh, he's 16th on our list. I look, I like Tommy Edmond. I feel like everyone's falling in love with Tommy Edmond. Uh, remember, we're still early in spring training. Let's let's pump up brakes just a little bit. Uh, a lot of these guys are performing, and it doesn't really matter. Wait till we get to the fifty, the halfway mark in spring training before we really start evaluating. Uh, but look, what the Cardinals have in Tommy Edmond is a very, very good and exciting young man who does some pretty awesome things. And uh, will, if I have my guess, find his way up to the major league club. Uh, by the end of the year. You know, I think in the article I said before September, but I think more than likely what I meant is after, like when the September rosters expand, depending on the Memphis playoff run, uh, Tommy Edmond has a potential to be an important cog to this team in this coming year, but definitely in 2020. I want to say one thing and I want to be very clear about it. And this one might end up coming back and biting me. Uh, you know, Drew Robinson looks like if, if Gyro were to get hurt, if Munoz were to get hurt, that he'd be the option, the utility option uh, right away. And I, you know, playing short, playing all those positions, playing the outfield. And I've got to tell you, the Cardinals would be better off rolling with Edmund. Uh, he's better. He's smarter. Uh, he's not going to strike out as much. Uh, he probably won't run into the power that Drew Robinson has. I love Drew Robinson's power. But if I'm, if we're being honest and the 40-man isn't an issue and you're marching, you know, marching north after spring training with your best options, uh, I mean, you're probably going Munoz. But if you had to pick someone after that, to me, it is undoubtedly Tommy Edmond. So that's our list. Uh, to to recap those last five, prospect number 20 was Jake Woodford. Prospect 19 is Ramon Urias. Prospect number 18 is Jiggity Jag. Uh, prospect number 17 is Edmundo Sosa. And prospect number 16 is Tommy Edmond. Now come back again in six days. We'll have prospects 15 through 11 for you. Uh, these are the high upside guys. Uh, two guys that are pretty close to the majors. And then two guys that couldn't be any further away from the majors, but are probably the two most exciting prospects on the list uh, that aren't at the top. Uh, they're two foreign-born players, 
international one's an international signing from last year the other one the cardinals acquired in a trade uh that's going to be a long podcast because we've got tons to talk about there so uh i'm kyle reese i am your host thank you for listening come back in a couple days if you listen to this you're part of the resistance uh and as always stick to birds on the black we've got amazing stuff going on every day there uh, and happy hunting family